Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. You know, we love doing this show for you every single week, but doing the show is not free. So if you enjoy the show, we ask maybe uh, consider helping us out a bit and supporting it. You can do that by becoming an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com. EPP means extra podcast person. You get an extra podcast for your support of the show. Every single week, we send you a brand new one. And you get access to our past archive of EPP episodes as well. Right now, that's more than 15 bonus episodes along with the weekly episode that you'll be getting every single week for only five bucks a month. If you like the show, help keep us on the air. And become an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com today. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. On today's episode, three veterans tell their ghostly combat stories Around a fire, a woman appears to be at work and going about her duties even when she's not there. A mysterious soldier gives relationship advice that changes a man's life, and we hear an update on Sarah, the ghost daughter. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. It's Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. I'm looking forward to the ghost daughter update. I know, I love that. It's always uh, interesting because it, it is essentially, it's like a whole community around this now in that, that, at least a neighborhood, right? Yeah, it's a neighborhood and it sounds like, I mean, we've started getting emails and stories from people that live down the street from Sarah and they, mm-hmm. they're they all saying that she's very real and, yeah. and very much into the show. I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, to hear that uh, that new update from uh, from our friends over there. Uh, the phone number here is 855-853-4802. If you want to tell your real ghost story to us, you can call the number 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Of course, if you like the show, tell a friend about it. Share a link on Facebook, Twitter, verbally communicate it, write it on a post-it note, put it on their desk at work, right on their screen, and uh, maybe even tattoo it uh, on your body or uh, go into a bathroom stall with a razor blade. And uh, <laughs> yeah, always encourage vandalism. <laughs> you know, it's how you learn about things. You know, you know, since the advent of uh, of social media and, and ways that people can communicate so much more easily, I have noticed a drop in bathroom graffiti. I don't think bathroom graffiti graffiti was designed as a means of communication. I it was think, a very crude. It, it was like a face. It's the original Facebook wall, just filled with useless shit. No, it was just something to do while they're sitting there. Which is what we do now. Now people are so engrossed in their their cell phones oh. when they're sitting there. Nobody's taking a knife to the wall or the bathroom stall or a pen or whatever and writing on them. I see what you're saying. They have other things to do. Yes. Okay, I thought you meant that that was like a means of communication. Well, that too. I mean, it's a little bit of both. I but get it. I think they're preoccupied, and I think they're getting much more pleasure writing their bizarro messages out to the world on social media versus on the the bathroom wall at Denny's. Okay, because I was going to say, I've never seen a call for a good time message posted on Facebook, whereas you'll see those in the bathroom stall. 
Ah, that's true. But you don't really see that much anymore. No. I, I think it's uh, the best thing that could ever happen to bathroom graffiti was social media. It really just cleaned all that up. Wow. <laughs> there you go. How there is that go. correlation? Uh, let's go to a letter this uh, evening or this day, whenever you're listening to us. Uh, our first letter today is coming in from Rob. And uh, Rob writes in, Hi, guys. Hope the new year is treating you well. My story happened a few years ago when one of our friends became very reclusive. We weren't too sure what was up with him because he had a habit of avoiding questions. And if you kept pestering him, he would get extremely nervous and blink constantly. We were never too sure if he was telling us the truth at times. But we all figured he may have been dealing with depression. He was into military topics, and he was also in the ROTC program in high school. Our other friends grew up with him. I actually didn't meet the guy until years after he finished college, but he always said he planned on joining the military. We didn't talk to him too much for about a year, but eventually we convinced him to join us at a friend's place for a bonfire. He didn't really hang out with anyone there. He was playing with his phone the whole time. Our friends were texting him to turn his phone off and hang out, which we noticed as he turned to them a few times. It wasn't until we all had dinner when we finally, he finally bothered us sitting next to any of us. Some of our friends were drinking pretty heavily and made a few jokes that struck a nerve with him, calling him a toy soldier and various other insults. Eventually, he got so upset he yelled at all of them, but with each reply let out more outbursts that slowly let out the truth of why he didn't like them. Other than him saying he hated drinking and being around people who drink, he admitted that he never qualified for the military. I guess some of our other friends were contacting him over the last few years about it, and he lied to them saying he was going to deploy several times. Now, the reason why that became a big deal is because these guys served time in the military. I don't know too much about military terms, but I knew they were having a heated argument, so I went to get our friend who owns the house to resolve the situation. Their conversation was short. Did you tell people you were joining the military and being deployed? Yes, I did. But you never did? Well, the reason... Shut up. It's a yes or no answer. Then he left. The guys who originally brought up the conversation were shouting rude comments even after he was out of sight. Would have stood up for that guy, but I have to be honest, it offended me. Still, he was an invited guest, so I had to check on him. He was still there and looked like a big bad wolf huffing and puffing at his car. The other vehicles blocked his car in the driveway. The really messed up part is his car was blocked in by the same guys he had just argued with. He was upset, getting in our faces, and yelled at us like he was about to fight. I told him to calm down, but after he did the opposite, I headed back to ask the guys for their keys so he could leave, because they were too drunk. When I got back to the driveway, I thought my other friend beat him up because the guy was sitting down in front of his car crying. I yelled, what the hell, Cameron? Leave him alone. As I ran to the both of them, but my friend held his hand up in a motion to stop and told me not to interrupt them. The guy was in tears telling us how he's tried to get out of his mom's house, but he didn't qualify for the military. He said it's been haunted for years and his mom took him to see a doctor and was diagnosed with a mental disorder. I basically thought it was bullshit and moved the car blocking him so he could leave, but he was still on the ground crying when I walked back to them. In the back of my head, all I, all, it all could have been some act, but he begged us to let him stay the night. 
The guys who argued with him were good guys. They don't pick fights with people, but they sure as hell speak up all the time. My friend suggested we all let him tell those guys his story, and I had to explain this entire story to get around this point. He told them the story as he cried. They let him speak for a while, when I was eventually asked if I moved the car that blocked his. They called him a crybaby, and the owner told him to leave. As soon as he left, these guys told us about their ghost stories. The oldest one there was Jim, a Vietnam vet, who told us about a fellow Marine who died right next to him, which he recalls that you can see death in a man's eyes when it happens. They bunked together. Sorry for being crude, but they shared pictures of naked ladies and found ways to obtain drugs when they were there. He heard whispers of his fellow Marine's New Jersey accent throughout his time there until the day he was told to take cover, but ignored it and was shot in the leg after an ambush. Jim told us he was on crutches for almost a year after it happened and they did multiple surgeries. Gave him time to write letters to his fellow Marines family and told them how that man saved his life. He never shared the ghost story to their family but knew it would ease the pain in a, lo- in a lost loved one and a fallen soldier. The other was Dwight, who was my age group of friends, who did his time in Iraq. He was on late night duties and saw an apparition of a man near the location of a firing squad. The month he was stationed there, he said a ghost would approach him, repeating the appearance of being shot in the head. He was a bit vulgar with describing the ethnicity of the ghost, but mentioned he asked about it and was told not to talk about it. Other people in his barracks said they saw the same thing, but were told it was nothing but their imagination. He told us all that it's what's made him believe in God, claiming that if you can see a piece of hell, there's no way you can deny that something brilliant created where we live. The final story was from Freddy, also in Iraq. He was working with the medical staff while on duty, and some lives were lost. Obviously not his fault, but people died, and it scared him. He didn't see anything innocent. What he saw was nothing but people trying to kill him, but he said they didn't talk. They didn't all have weapons, and some of them would approach him with their bare hands, and he felt the sensation of cold fingers tightening around his neck. He said there was a smell of death to it, which he described as similar to burning hair. I know he dealt with years of PTSD after he got back home. Other than the paranormal topics, he was also traumatized after seeing children die. I have a high level of respect for the men and women who serve our country, so it felt right to share the stories they told me. Sure, they're brief, but it's awesome to experience them and share those stories in any real-life scenario. That's all I have for now. Go Packers and F the Dallas Cowboys. There you go. I wonder how many that how many people that have served that are haunted by their fallen people that they've served with. Yeah. Or... <sighs> That, and I wonder how much they see over there, mm-hmm. over wherever it may be. Just, you know, obviously, you know, war zones, especially war zones, mm-hmm. you know, areas that are very high in conflict and, and have horrible things going on around them. You know, I imagine it's it's somewhat fairly common. You know, I wonder how much of it is also just kind of brushed by because you're seeing so many real horrors in life of of living people going through horrible things that a ghost may just not phase you all that much at that moment in time. Sure. You know? I don't know I, I'd imagine there's a lot of that. 
um, especially like I said in the real active you know battlefields and war zones you just there'd have to be with all that energy that's you know being expelled Sure. You know, left and right. 855-853-4802. That's your phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you want more ghost stories, well, we got the little EPP program. You get a bonus episode every single week. And the moment you sign up for it uh, through PayPal, you'll uh, get an email sent directly to the email address you use to sign up with uh, links to all 20 of our bonus episodes. New one every single week. It's only five bucks a month. Full-blown episodes, full hour-long episodes. So there's 20 unheard hours of our show uh, that you're just waiting for you to uh, to listen to when you sign up to become an EPP uh, at realghoststoriesonline.com. Uh, Hale writes in. He said, Hale, Hallie, H-A-L-E. It's our friend Hallie. Hallie! Yes. I'm horrible with names. <laughs> I always, always... Uh, dread if I'm ever having to do like public speaking or emceeing anything where you have to introduce people and names because I'll even go over the lists with like the organizers and stuff beforehand like give me the names give me the names I'll forget yeah I literally need to take a pen and like phonetically write everything out like sounds like this yes so Uh I know how to say it correctly there's nothing wrong with that I do not remember what anyone tells me when it's their name even if it's a simple name I don't remember it your name (laughs) is John okay I'll forget that in two minutes John uh, hi, Tony and Jenny. This is Hallie from London. Great show once again. You guys make me laugh and at the same time creep me out with all the great stories you share. So thank you for that. I'd like to share a doppelganger story with you, which happened to my friend. She works in the nursery part of a school. And what she experienced scared the hell out of all her friends, including me. I don't know how to even start, but here it goes. My friend was seen in the camera downstairs in one of the nursery corridors from the administration room by her manager. She described her to be looking inside one of the nursery rooms with a confusion and a bit of uh, admiration, like she hasn't seen the place before. The manager called my friend and asked, What are you doing downstairs? I thought you were working upstairs. My friend replied, Um, I'm not downstairs. I'm in the staff room. Her manager was confused and asked her to come into the administration room so they can have a look at the footage. When my friend came upstairs, they replayed the tape to only find that there was no one there. They were absolutely shocked, but her manager said it might have been her seeing things and just brushed it off. Another incident, which was probably the creepiest out of all, happened on another day. On evening shift, my friend was snacking away with one of her colleagues in the staff room, but she then had to go see her manager in the administration room to ask for some days off. When she arrived, her manager looked at her with confusion. Oh, I'm sorry, One. One is my friend's name. I couldn't speak to you earlier. I was on the phone. Uh, Go on, tell me. My friend was confused with what her manager said and asked, What do you mean? Her manager replied, I couldn't speak to you when you came uh, in earlier on. I was on the phone. My friend replied, saying she didn't come in the office and that she was in the staff room with her other colleague. Her manager had shivers down her spine and replied, You were here. I was on the phone and I saw someone on the corner of my eye and I turned for a few seconds and saw you standing in the doorway. I told you, give me a second. I'll be with you. My friend asked if her or whatever it was spoke. Her manager replied, No, or it didn't, or it didn't speak. They looked at the footage that was recorded. There are cameras everywhere. They looked at the corridor recordings of outside the room, and they saw nothing. 
But to their surprise, the footage from the administration room showed that her manager, while on the phone, looked to her left for a few seconds and spoke. They were shocked and creeped out. My friend couldn't go to work for a few weeks because of what happened. She hasn't spoke about it ever again. I don't know how I would react to my boss seeing my doppelganger at work. Yeah. You know, I would be afraid that my doppelganger would do something stupid and I'd lose my job when it really wasn't me. Hey, what a great excuse, though, that she can use that now. It's like... Anything bad happens, that wasn't me. It wasn't me. It really wasn't me. Although they go back and look at the footage, and if they see her there, they'll know it is her because the doppelganger's not showing up on camera. What's most interesting about that is the fact that the boss uh, looked over and was on camera speaking to someone as if... Basically exactly what the boss said that they did. Right. So the other option in this story, other than being ghost, is that the boss is hallucinating. Because it's the same boss. There is always that possibility, but chances are probably not. I wonder if anyone else sees things around this workplace. I don't know. That's a good question to ask. And has the boss had an MRI recently? <laughs> you know, she, Just in case. She, I'm assuming it's a she. I don't remember if it's a she or mm-hmm. he, but I'm assuming they probably had that looked at. I think that'd be the first thing I would do. I mean, I, I would immediately be feeling there's something paranormal going on here, mm-hmm. but I'd want to rule that out. If I'm thinking I'm seeing people, yeah, just just go get it checked. Just have the brain scanned. Make sure there's nothing going on. That something's firing the wrong way at the wrong time. Well, and especially because it took place at a school. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be around kids. Just rule out And anything. they're the only person that this is happening to. Yeah. Yeah. So I would get that checked, and I'm, I'm not insinuating that it's it it's not paranormal because I kind of think it is. I just always want to rule those sort of things out. Yeah, I mean, always try and rule out the simplest explanation first. No. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Tracy writes in, "Hello, Tony and Jenny from the Great White North." I love the show. Been listening from the beginning, and I know, Jenny, that you heard this many times, but you are a wonderful addition. I adore you both, and your show helps get me through my work as much as I shouldn't. As you will soon find out from my story, but I can't help myself. I have had several paranormal events in my life, and I've been told that I am sensitive to the presence of spirits. As well, in time, I've learned this for myself. The story I want to tell you today is about the place I work. I'm a night janitor in a very old building. I believe construction was completed in 1911. I knew from the first night there that I wasn't really alone, picking up on different energies on each of the six floors. Most are quiet and stay away, but there are a couple that like to get up to mischief. My first experience happened in the basement where I keep my cleaning supplies. As I was getting my cart ready for the evening, I got the feeling that there was someone in the basement with me. A real person, not spirit, but I was oh so wrong. On a side note, every time they make themselves known, I have no idea and fail to pick up on the presence. There are two bathrooms in the basement, original to the date of the building, so old that one of the urinals in the men's room is out of order and cannot be fixed due to how old. Anyway, I hear the stall door to the ladies' room banging open and shut again. 
When I realized it wasn't a living person, I quickly grabbed my phone to start taking video. As I'm filming, I heard the plunger in the room fall over. I started to walk towards the ladies' room, but the noises subsided. I panned my camera around, hoping to catch something on video. As I'm doing that, the water turned on in the men's room. I quickly rushed to the room, but chickened out from going in, as you have to enter the bathroom and go into a dark corner where the sink is. I have the video, but unfortunately the sound quality isn't very good and I didn't pick up much. I'll try to upload it so you and the listeners can watch. Maybe they can hear the noises better than I did. Another event was on the second floor, which is an ESL school. The chap who hangs out there likes to follow me around into the classrooms, and for some re- weird reason, really likes hanging out in the bathroom as well. I've gotten the feeling that he is an older gent, almost like a caretaker. Maybe he's making sure I'm doing my job properly. There's a cafeteria on this floor with a front door at the beginning of the hallway and a back door at the end of the hallway. I had both doors open and was making my way through to the front of the cafeteria when all of a sudden I heard a door slam, but I wasn't aware of which one and quite honestly I thought it was one of my co-workers or possibly one of the instructors coming back for something. Again, the old man spirit hadn't perked my sensitivity at all this night. I looked around the school for someone, but I was alone. Then that rushing, frightful feeling came over me. You know, the one, that feeling that makes your hair on your neck stand up? I walked down the hallway to the back door, and sure enough, it was closed. Other people who have worked in the building have had experiences, including a full-body apparition on a short order Asian lady, a short, short older Asian lady. That would make sense, being that in the 1940s and 50s, there used to be a snack and coffee stand in the lobby ran by a husband and wife who just so happened to be of Asian descent. Not sure if they were Chinese or Japanese, anyway. I have many more stories and will write in again. I'm not an EPP yet, but I'm hoping to be one soon. Love you guys, and your show is the best out there. Keep up the wonderful work you do. Until next time. I think maybe if I were attached to a building and had spent a lot of time there, I might follow the janitor around too, just because... Why the janitor? Because they're there and they're taking care of the building and you love the building. That's why you're haunting it. Oh, just, oh, I see, just to make sure that they're doing their job? That or because I would be completely bored as a ghost. Yeah, that would get boring after... I think so. And if you're just in the same place over and over, same people. I thought the janitor would be pretty boring after a while, too. I think I can't imagine just sitting there watching him mop the floors. No, but the thing is, I would imagine ghosts don't need to sleep. So after everybody goes home, usually that's when the janitor comes in. Sure. And you'd follow them around for entertainment. Ghosts don't may, may not need to sleep, but what if they want to sleep? That's going to be the thing you miss most when you die is your sleep. What if you want to, though? Can you? Can Probably you just not. lay down? Probably not. Why can't you just lay down? Can't. Shut can't your do eyes? It. You don't know that. I'm just trying to mess with just you. Just like the hair cutting. What if you want to cut your hair? What if you want to change your outfit? What if you want to take a nap? I'd be a very lazy, scraggly ghost. The thing is, you're not alive, so you can't do everything anymore. What if you want to? <laughs> but I want to! Ah, yes. 855-853-4802. Let's go to one of our callers. Uh, hi, you are on the air. Hi, Joey. Hi, Jenny. Alicia had a spiritual experience just now. Um, I'm sorry, this is just really sad. Um, okay, so 
I'm with my fiance and my mom, and we live in my uncle's house. And he lives in um, the country, and you have to take a couple country roads to get there. And this one in particular was um, very steep and down a hill. So if someone was speeding, they'd be sure to get killed. And um, I've been on this road a couple of times before, but I haven't been to my uncle's house in like a year or two. So, um, sorry, it's really emotional. Um, but basically, we went on this road. Sorry, I'm just trying to calm down. It's just really crazy. Um, we, are, we went on this road that I've been on before, and I can't remember the name of it, but found the country. And I feel this really pressing feeling like I'm getting smothered and like I'm burning and I'm just really, really, really hot. And I just like, it was too much where I had to tell my fiance to stop the car because I, I just couldn't handle that feeling. And it's really, really cold out and it's like negative nine when I'm chill out here. And excuse me, choking myself out here. Um, I uh, got out of the car and I was walking around just to get some fresh air and, you know, it was just really cold and I was just pacing back and forth and I just tried to, try to get rid of this feeling and I just couldn't and, um, I happened to look down like 15 feet from me was the shrine of a 16-year-old girl and she died like a week before I was out there and she burned to death and it was just really, really sad because she was so young and she was so beautiful and it almost felt like I was kind of feeling what she felt before she died. It was kind of like she wanted me to know that she was there. And it's just so sad that, you know, she just died so young. And I, like, I just, I couldn't control the urge. And I just, like, I I had to have him pull over because I felt like I was going to suffocate if I didn't get air. So um, I just kind of put two and two together. And I just thought maybe that's why maybe she's letting people, like, you know, she's letting people know she's at peace or she wants me to feel the pain because no one found her. I, I don't know, but I don't know exactly what happened. I looked up her name, but I couldn't find any articles. It's just, it's really sad because it's a small town and it's really, you know, more trouble stuff there, but it doesn't make the news. So I just thought I'd share that with you guys. Um, still really shaking that. I'm still kind of shaky, but... I listen to your show all the time and I'm an EPP, so I just thought I'd share that with you guys first before, you know, I go and tell anyone, not that they believe me or anything, but, all right, well, I'm going to try to calm down and, uh, sorry for, you know, getting really emotional, I just can't help it, but, uh, I love you guys and I love the show and I love all the listeners and all the stuff they've done for us, so, you guys have a good night and I hope this makes it to the show and, uh, talk to you soon, bye. I think the two are connected. What do you think? Yeah, I would believe so. I think there's something, there's some sort of emotional pull going on there, whether it's uh, what the reasoning is. I don't know if it's, you know, to let you feel the pain that she was feeling, whether it's just trying to get attention to realize, you know, what happened there. I don't know. Just the the event itself, maybe not real with much intent, just the energy that's there. Yeah, and what I'm wondering is maybe it's not on purpose, like, I want you to feel what I felt, but just that much energy is left in the air. And if you happen to be sensitive to anything like that, you might just be picking up on that. Yeah, I think that makes sense. It's just there. Mm -hmm. 
and it's just you're you're essentially walking into it's like temperature you know you're walking into a hot zone you know it's really hot in this one area because it's all blacktop and right next to it's a pool of water one area is going to be hotter than the other mm-hmm. you know I, I could see something like that being the case thank you for calling in and sharing that story with us if you haven't done so already please press subscribe on whatever platform it is you listen to our show on whether it's iTunes Stitcher YouTube get all the episodes sent directly to you you don't miss any of them and it helps us grow the show so thank you in advance for doing that Britt writes in I uh, wanted to write in and follow up on the Wolf Manor story that I just just heard on your podcast. The house wasn't fully abandoned. Mr. Wolf took care of the house. He just did not live there. He wanted to refurbish the house and reopen it, but uh, it was in dispute with the city. Wolf Manor is is this Wisconsin? Nope, this is real life Monster House. Oh, this, oh, this was just the other day. Yeah. Okay, I was picturing one from a while back that I believe was like by Milwaukee or something. Okay, so this is a real life Monster House. Yes. Okay, that story was not long ago. It's a couple of days. We wanted to check out that podcast. Because of this, the house was alarmed. Okay. Later, it was decided. He would sell the mansion, and if you bought it, you'd have to relocate it. The haunted house he set up, unfortunately, was one that included people dressed up as monsters and serial killers that would jump out at you as you passed. I always wanted to tour the mansion, but not in that manner. As far as the phone calls to 911, Zat Bagans debunked that one when he revealed on his show that the phone system that was set up in the house automatically called 911 when it was disconnected. I was there when the mansion was torn down, which unfortunately the city decided to do on their own, and it was quite the sight. Many wondered what would have happened to the spirits, and if any would be attached to items that were taken from the house. Mr. Wolf even sold some of the items on eBay, and like the mirror theory, you can bet I did not want to be in possession of any of those items. See, this is where it gets kind of, uh, you know, iffy when you go into an antique store. Because uh-huh. you don't know where any of these things were originally from, where they came, you know, what their origins are. And you could very well run across some of these items and have no idea. Oh, I know. I was an avid antiquer from like the age of 12 yeah. until I started doing this show. And it's completely <laughs> killed that for me. Don't you like walking around though and looking? Yeah, but now I'm afraid of buying anything. So you, you never know. I'm just a chicken. We'll create a little uh, shack in the back of the house. And we'll put uh, items, antique items in it that we uh, feel are possessed. No. In it. Make a little museum. No. See, I love, <laughs> I've always antiqued, but no, now I'm just afraid. Yeah. Although I did not personally witness any supernatural experiences, I wanted to follow up on the previous story in hopes of shedding some light on a few of the questions you had. Thanks, Britt. There are a ton of pictures of Wolf Manor online, so you really? can see what it looked like and everything. It's been torn down. It had kind of gotten to be where it was an eyesore, mm-hmm. but the people of Clovis tried to fight the city and not have it tear down, torn down because it had history and everything, and it ended up, of course, being torn down, but yeah. you can still check that out. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you can trace any items of where where they are now. I don't know. We can get one. No. (laughs) Art writes in, Hello, Tony and Jenny. My name is Art. I'm a member of the Ghost Child Sarah group. Oh, here we go. Uh, We really should get a name for the group. Love the show. After watching the Spirits in the Air film you made, I felt I should send you in my own Air Museum story. 
went to school at the University of Dayton and would spend many mornings at the National Museum of the U.S. Air Force. If you get there when it first opens, I found it's a great place to get your thoughts together. I was there one morning trying to struggle with a personal issue. I was sitting in the World War II section when an officer in dress uniform came up and asked me if everything was all right. I don't know why, but I told him I was struggling with a girlfriend issue. He told me he'd be happy to listen, but he would have to give his advice. It's just what he does. He added that he has experience with some of his men coming to him from uh, coming to him with their issues about wives and girlfriends when they were away in combat. It is strange, but he had the aura of a kindly priest. I just couldn't help myself but to tell him everything. I explained it wasn't really a problem. It's just that I don't know why there was no magic left in the relationship with my girlfriend. I really care for her and don't want to hurt her. It's like when we're just going through the motions. I was trying to decide if we got married, would it bring the magic back? We've been dating for two years and would both be graduating that summer. He asked just one question. How long was the, How long has the magic been gone? Well, I said holidays and birthdays are always good, but the day-to-day romance, it's been over a year. It's not that we fight, it's that we act like we're friends. He looked at me and said, Break up with her. I've known too many friendships ruined. You need to find the one you can't live without, and you won't find her if you're not looking. I explained that uh, that would hurt her, and that's the last thing I want to do. He said, she might feel as you do, or maybe not. But she does know the romance is gone. She would be in more pain if either of you find the one you need after you're married. You both will hurt for a while, but I know you both will get through it. At this, he stood up as if to walk away. Only he turned, he faded away till he wasn't there. I did what he suggested, and he was right. My girlfriend felt the same way as I. She was even afraid that I was going to uh, propose because she wouldn't know how to answer. We agreed to stay as friends, but I knew that wouldn't last long. First month was hard since I had nobody to tell how how my day was. I did find someone a couple months later who stole my heart. I went back to the museum to thank my advisor. I just sat in the same seat one morning and said out loud all that happened. He just appeared in front of me, nodded, and then a beautiful woman in a WAC uniform appeared next to him. She had a smile that would stop the heart of all men who saw her. Gave me thumbs up and they just faded in front of me. We were married one year later. We are so right together and as I look forward to seeing her every morning when I wake up, if you ever visit the museum, go there when they first open and go to the World War II area and sit near the POW exhibit. You'll hear a lot of interesting things and sometimes see things unexpected. Weekdays are better than weekends. We learned about the show from our neighbors, Dave and Barb. They're the ones with Sarah, the ghost daughter. We're the ones who gave Sarah her first CD, and my wife did get a visit from Sarah, and she said, Thank you. You might think it would be unnerving to have a little girl appear in your kitchen, but Sarah just has a calming effect. Dave and Barb had a Christmas party for the neighborhood friends. At one point, everyone got silent. And we heard Sarah singing, Oh Holy Night. And later, my wife and another neighbor went to the family room where the kids were playing. And there was Sarah sitting on the floor with a big smile on her face. And yes, all the kids saw her and thought nothing of it. Sarah got a lot of music and DVDs at Christmas. We have bets on who gets played more. I think we will win with the Frozen DVD. The neighborhood is now listening to your show and our group is growing. Keep the stories coming. By the way, we decided 
uh, once you get you all down, you should uh, then uh, work on yints for our part of the country. What's yints? I don't know. But he means once you get saying y'all down, yeah. you should work on Oh, yints. once you get saying y'all down, I get it. Yeah. I'm working on that. You are, but I don't. I've never heard yins. I don't know what yins mean. I'm sure. I'm assuming yins means like y'all. I don't know. Like, yins. Uh, okay, I I get it. <laughs> how is that yins? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to use it in a sentence. Once you get yins together, uh, once you, I can't do it. Give no. me a sentence to use. No, just move it on. Okay. Love the show, art. Well, I'm glad Sarah got the same thing for Christmas that our little girl did. Yeah. Now they can sing Let It Go. So my question about Sarah playing these things is, do you guys have to put the CD in the CD player or the DVD in the player and then she presses the button to get it going? Or is she uh, like actually taking the, uh, the items out of the cases, putting them in and pressing play? I would imagine she's probably doing it herself because some of the earlier stories talked about some of the things she would do and she's able to move things. Okay. Did they see it when she's moving things or are they just like in the other room and also the DVD player starts going? That I don't know. I'm I'm interested. I'd love to hear that that part of the story. <laughs> wow. Thank you for the update uh, on Sarah and thank you for your story. That's really interesting. Getting love advice from a ghost. I like that. That's cool. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to another caller here. Give me one second. And ta-da, you are on the air. Hi, Tony. Um, this is Robert from Utah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I called the other day with uh, about my daughter's um, old hag syndrome. Um I haven't heard that one yet because I'm still about 30 episodes behind. But uh, I did work at an army depot in eastern Oregon that I had some things happen at. Um, Three separate stories I want to give you, but not all at once because I don't want to inundate the show with my stories. Um, The first one here is kind of short, so I'll give you some detail. Okay, this was in eastern Oregon. And Eastern Oregon is much different than what you think of Portland. Portland is trees and it's forest and this and that. You get about 40 miles east of uh, Portland and it turns into like sandy desert. Um, like with tumbleweeds, like, like in the cowboy movies, when you see a tumbleweed roll across the plains, that kind of desert. I never saw so much sand without a beach. So, but anyhow, this base was built in 1941 as part of our ramp up into World War II. And it had it had a trail running across it. Some people thought it was Oregon Trail, but that was a couple of miles away. I think it was Stagecoach Trail. Um, so, but anyhow, so I, I'm, I started there in 2003. And when, when you're first there, you do there's only a couple of patrols that you have because you have to have a clearance because this base stored and they were destroying chemical munitions, you know, mustard gas, stuff like that. Stuff that had been there probably since the 60s. Oh, another thing is, okay, people don't realize it, but the United States manufactured uh, um, chemical munitions for World War II because the thinking was that if Germany used it again, we were going to which didn't happen, so the stuff just sat. So anyhow, they were 
they were destroying it. They had a D-mill plant and were going to destroy it. At that point, it was still being built. It hadn't been done yet, but there were only a couple of patrols to do. So I'm in the, the administration area one night doing my patrol. And part of that was checking buildings, um, checking vehicles, you know, make sure that things are locked up. So I go to the headquarters building, which it was it was a square building, a couple stories high, had a basement, and just a few doors. You went up a short flight of stairs, checked the main entrance, and um, in the meantime, you're checking windows, make sure they're shut, all that kind of stuff. And then I go around the side, and there's a there's a, a, a sunken porch that leads to another door that when you come in, you either go to the left and down into the basement or up a short flight of stairs to the first floor and then the second. But so anyhow, I'm, I'm checking this, uh, and I'd went and I checked the front door. And I'd been there, oh, God, I don't know, maybe three, four months. I'd had this patrol before, was, you know, but and I'm checking, uh, and then I go around, and I go into that little covered porch and go and check this other door. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I see a face, kind of just a, a white, misty, kind of nondescript face, just like right there and looking at me. And so and I, I'd already checked the door, so I just, I got the heck out. <laughs> Never said anything to anybody. It was just weird. And then, uh, and I hadn't heard like those stories or whatever, things like that from anybody out there. Um, so again, I didn't say anything. And then probably another, maybe six or nine months later, I'm on the same patrol. Oh, and now of course, yeah, I'm a little wary because, you know, when I checked that door, <laughs> it was quick and I'd turn around and take, oh, and we were armed, but I, I'd turn around and I'd take off. I mean, because of, because it's government and because of the, the munitions and whatever, we were armed for that to keep intruders out and stuff because there was some serious stuff there. Um, so, but like I said, probably, I don't know, about nine months later or something, six to nine months later, I'm on the same patrol and I'm checking those doors again. And I see as you go up there, you go in there. All, all we did was, you know, you rattled the door and made sure it was locked. And I see off to my left, out of that basement area, uh, a mist starts to form into the shape of a person. And I rattled that door real quick, and I took off before before it could approach because I had no idea. And it definitely was not a person because this would have been. I, I worked then. I worked graveyard shift and. This would have been like at two or three or something in the morning. There was nobody there. So, and that's the first story, right? And then I'll call back with the others. Then you can separate them into separate things or something. I don't know, but hopefully, hopefully this came off well. All right, thanks. Bye. Oh, love the show. Um, not an EPP yet, but... Um, I'm still running through the shows and haven't been able to yet, but love the show, love the format. And you two are great. And Tony, you are funnier than, than Jenny thinks you are with your little jokes. So don't let her tell you any different. 
All right. <laughs> Bye. See, some people think I have humor. I know you have humor. It's just sometimes it gets out there. <laughs> it's always out there. That's my brand of humor. Bizarroness. I would be afraid of the face in the window, even if I was carrying a gun, too. <laughs> There's nothing more unsettling than seeing a face in your window. I guess seeing a face in your mirror would be a little more unsettling. That goes up the scale just a tad, but windows up there, too. Yeah. Because it's just like... <sighs> You don't know where it's going to go. You're looking at it, something through a little box, and you're seeing something that shouldn't be there. And it can easily just go off to the side, and it's gone. And you don't know where it went to. When you're, like, in a building or a wide space, and you see an entity or something, if it disappears into the night, it disappears. And, you know, at least you kind of have some idea that it went away. If you're seeing something in a window, and it goes away just because it moves away, you don't know where the hell it went. Yeah, and especially when you're checking a building that's been locked up for decades and yeah. you see the face inside and you know it's not supposed to be there. Yeah, that's just extremely unsettling. Yeah. Thank you for the call. We really do appreciate that and look forward to having you as an EPP. I know there's a lot of episodes that are out there, but the EPP episodes, there are some gems. There really are. There's some good stories on there. So if you really are in the mood for some of the, the best stories that we got, uh, sign up to be that EPP. You, you will not regret it. You have 20 hours worth of escaping your family. Yes. Think of it that way. Yes. <laughs> and they're good stories. So sign up on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Rebecca writes in, it's not very often that you hear a ghost story involving a pet, but I've got one that happened to me about four years ago. It's not spooky per se, but certainly unusual. Back in 2006, we adopted a lab pit mix from a local animal shelter. He was a quiet dog sitting in the back of the cage, and I was instantly drawn to him. We adopted him that same day. His name was Rasco, and he was about a year old. He was honestly the best dog I've had. Very sweet, very smart, and he was just my baby boy. He'd sleep on the bed with me every night and had an obsession with squeaky toys. We uh, bought him plenty during his life, but there was one that he was really attached to. It was a little red fox that we had taken to calling Peanut, and he knew it by name. We'd tell him, go get Peanut, and he'd run off and grab it out of the pile of his other toys and bring it to us. I had to sew that toy up so many times, and every time he would just patiently wait for me to throw Peanut back to him. Well, when he was about four years old, his health started to take a very bad turn. Multiple rounds of whipworm led him to losing weight and to rectal prolapse. We found, or we fought for two years to get him better. He even wound up having major intestinal surgery, but in the end, it was no use. He would end up ha wind up having three seizures one day and was just an empty shell of himself by the morning. So we did what was best for him, and that morning I took him to go to sleep. A few weeks afterward, I was sleep, uh, sweeping up the remainder of his hair from the living room. We had laminate floors at the time, and I had to tip the couch over to get it all the hair underneath it. Well, I tipped the couch back, and sitting there underneath the couch was Peanut. It took me a second. I set the broom down, picked it up, scrutinized it. Every sewn hole and slobber mark, and I burst out crying. We had thrown all his toys out after he'd been euthanized, including Peanut. I still have it safely tucked away in a drawer to this day. Thank you so much for taking the time to read this. As strange as of a happening as it was, it was very comforting for me to know that my baby boy was okay now. So I wonder if he got Peanut out of the trash. 
and saved it. Mm-hmm. And that's good. Saved it for you for like a little memento. Like, here, keep this. Exactly. Yeah. I could see that. I could too. Hallie writes in, my name's Hallie and I am from Huntsville, Alabama. Love your show. I have a few stories. This is just one of them. I have always been able to hear things that others can't. I always slept with the radio on because if I do not, I would hear voices in the house I grew up in. That's another story, though. This one is about my mom. I guess I should start by saying where I lived when I was little. There was a graveyard behind my house. When I was six or seven, my mother and I were outside watering and weeding plants on a summer day. I was pulling weeds while she watered the plants a little ways behind me. Within a few minutes of starting, the water cut off and she went back over the hose to make sure there were no kinks. There were no kinks in the hose, but it had been shut off from the spigot. She looked at me like I did it, turned it back on and went back to watering. Within minutes, it was cut back off. She looked at me again like I had done something and I asked, what did I do? She told me to stop messing around with the spigot and let her finish the watering so she could help me weed. Well, she turns the water back on and was watering again. Within minutes, it turned back off. That's when she realized I was not doing it because I was across the driveway from the house. She yelled at me to get inside and she came running in and locked the door. I don't really know what it was. I don't really remember this incident because I was not as scared as she was. That house has always scared me. We moved out when I was 14 and I've never been back. I still have things happen to me, but I'll tell that some other time. Sorry for this being so long. Well, I think it's a playful ghost. I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's not necessarily out there to get you. No. Something just wanted to come over from the cemetery and play with the water. It'd be one thing that it'd be nice to have a ghost that could do garden weeding. A weeding ghost? A weeding ghost. You just look out your window and you see random weeds flying up in the air. Your garden is constantly pristine because the ghost goes out there and weeds. Yeah. That would be handy. I wonder how you could get that to happen. If you live near a cemetery, could you like try and conjure up a former gardener and <laughs> another stellar idea? All these good ideas, yeah, they just come to me. Yep, and sometimes they're genius. And some, you know, if you could, I would. I'd, I'd break out a Ouija board to get a, a ghost gardener. Okay, <laughs> you just see how that works and let and me that, know. That's the sentence of the day. I'd break out the Ouija board to get a ghost gardener. Good job. There you go. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. If you have a real ghost story you'd like to share with us, and if you're not yet, please become an EPP. Supports our show, keeps us on the air, and you get a bunch of bonus episodes to enjoy as a thank you. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. <laughs>